the subject of the evening talk is arising and vanishing. Although there may be a certain emphasis within the process of meditation towards um, health, physical, psychological health and well-beingness, it certainly um, means, certainly goes much further than that. And at times, of course, in the course of the meditative journey, one can rather place a great deal of emphasis on psychological, physical well-being and forget, in fact, that that is a means as well. And what is, what is meant by that, that in the, the process of, of meditation, one finds that one places, because of the frequency of mind states, an emphasis on getting it together and being grounded, being, being centered, being able to work with one's particular mind states which occurs. And because of that emphasis, one rather easily looks for that as an effect. In other words, if I do this, this, this and this, then that will come as an effect. The more I'm in touch with myself, the more I'm able to see what is happening and feel um, comfortable with that, to acknowledge and accept that, the more I uh, experience meditational benefits at the psychological level. But in fact, in looking at um, the direction of meditation and a benefit of it is, is towards well-being, mental well-being, but that level of mental well-being, not perfectly of course, is not only a, an effect, it's also a cause. It's also a primary condition towards another way of seeing. So therefore, in, in our giving consideration to our mind, our states of mind, our, our states of, of body, we're giving consideration to it in order that it can be used, our whole being can be used as a useful uh, stepping stone towards seeing life and the basis of life, the fundamental fundamentals of life in a clear and completely fresh way. Now in giving some emphasis for that, to that, an important consideration with regard to that is that one is not looking for psychological perfection. In other words, within our mind, which is a, an extremely vast field of uh, activity, there are areas and corners of it and parts of it which need working with, which require from us a lot of motivation and uh, commitment, which need looking at with care. And there are areas or periods of time in our mind and in our spiritual progress 
And some of these corners of, of our mind, shall we say, are not, are not a pressing issue for us. And so that the mind, in a general way, but not totally and absolutely, experiences to some degree or other a certain sense of equanimity, um, harmony, uh, uh, well-being, steadiness. And those are fairly obvious expressions of some degree of psychological health and well-being. And the, the, the degree of that is of course particularly shown in face of the difficult situations. So in other words, as our mind becomes tempered, shall we say, by life's realities, and as we are able to adjust to them, to be in tune with them, without losing ourselves amidst the circumstances, that tempering of the mind is an actual indicator to us of the degree of psychological well-being that we have. Now in that um, coming to greater uh, equilibrium of mind, since it is a stepping stone, it's a stepping stone to looking at the realities of life. And in that looking at the realities of life, that gives us the possibility, a clear possibility, to see directly, intuitively, that means in a non-cerebral way, but in an actual way, about the nature of life and our direct relationship to it. That kind of seeing and meditation practice somehow or other, though the language may vary quite considerably, of course, but somehow or other must lend itself towards that. It must go further than just being um, a mentally stable person. In this <coughs> giving consideration to looking at some of the basic actualities of life, one which is particularly in this kind of background which is referred to is the one of seeing change. Now that again, that seeing of change, change, breath coming, the breath going, the change of sensations, the change of uh, images which occur, the change of views and opinions which arise, the change in the colours of, the, of the, the day, the change of circumstances, giving a fullness of attention to change has as a, a contribution towards our understanding something which is very important is a certain freeing factor to it. If one begins to look at change not from a negative or positive point of view, thereby expressing an investment in change, but change which is coming from that steadfastness of mind, that, that balance of mind, the mind without charge, then one is able to see change much more 
clearly and directly and in that seeing of change clearly and directly in the world as it shows itself, not ultimate reality in any way, but in the world as it shows itself, we begin to see quite clearly and directly the world of change. So it's not a world which is divided up for us between our likes and our dislikes, this is good, this is bad. Not so much a world which is coming out of our investment in it with our approvals and our disapprovals and the ambivalence which accompanies it, but it's a w seeing a world from an equilibrium of mind free to a degree from charge which therefore sees things much more simply. There's less of a preference, preference, uh, preferential uh, or biased or partial kind of viewing, but seeing things in a more impersonal light, seeing things one might say which are fairly self-evident in the whole field of existence. So what that one is looking at some of the, the basic actualities of life and one of them is the changing character, changing nature of it. <coughs> Sometimes within that perception, one sees something come and it's gone. One lights a, a match, one creates a flame, one blows the flame out, the, the, the flame has arisen, blows on the flame, the flame vanishes. Snap one's thumb, fingers, or whatever, there's a sound, the sound is created, the sound is gone, it's vanished, it's not present. One sees it at the, these fairly obvious levels, one sees it too in areas of life which one gives continuity to, very important, where we give continuity to something, and one sees it too at more subtle levels. This movement in the seeing towards more sut subtle levels, sometimes in the background of this kind of practice, gives, and I sense, an exaggerated emphasis towards a kind of seeing which one might refer to as a microscopic seeing, a um, uh, seeing in a, with a kind of um, scientific eye and feeling in some way or other that the subtlety of one's practice and meditation somehow or other must reach that kind of subtlety of seeing. That in some way or other it's a kind of um, indispensable approach to meditation. And certainly it is within the power of the mind and one of the um, resources of the mind which has the power to focus in a very single-pointed and refined and truly singular kind of way to be able to probe or to go very directly into the mind-body process 
to an order of subtlety of seeing, of arising and change, arising and vanishing, of which the only kind of comparison to it would be like with a microscope. And this, when the, uh, again, a meditation practice goes in this direction, as it does for some, either by sheer motivation to come to that kind of seeing, or the practice leads in that kind of seeing, whether it's more refined or microscopic, or whether it's more more gross and more general, still, in either case, the same world is being presented. This world of change. <coughs> so, in our, in our giving consideration to the subtlety of seeing and to the development of a, of a true awareness of, of change, although it is liberating or freeing because one gets out of many misperceptions and one is able to let go of a little bit more, one is able to free oneself from pursuing things which one inherently recognises isn't pursuing, still the seeing of change is only useful and only appropriate if it is providing one with more understanding. If it's truly helping to see one, to see the world the way it shows itself with a balanced mind. There is a belief within the process of meditation, very much to be questioned, that if a person uses or makes a power of mind to go deeply, to come to a microscopic seeing in some way or another, in which everything is rising and vanishing with tremendous rapidity, like which the scientists may uh, find under the microscope, that somehow or other that kind of penetrative focus, which is within the power of mind, somehow or other is going to mean a leap into something else. And that something else is going to occur if one sustains unwaveringly that power of mind into something and then somehow or other it's going to be like the world and me and mind-body and uh, consciousness and anything else you want to put in, <laughs> will, will just dissolve away. And what the characteristic, however, of the mind which has that power focus, which sustains that right through, is such that it can happen. <laughs> the actuality of the direction <laughs> with that power, can be such that the consciousness actually can dissolve the appearances.
so what? <laughs> given that kind of movement, given that kind of um, emphasis and direction, and given too, and I think it's very um, important, given to the acknowledgement of subtlety, the acknowledgement of arising and vanishing, and the dissolution of that and all that is implied in that, in itself doesn't show anything except for the power of mind. It, doesn't, it is not actually in itself a revelation of anything. Because the mind itself, in that power, which has been, shall we say, cut through or bypassed within those circumstances, will, in time, moments, minutes, hours, or whatever, renew itself. The actuality of the mind-body will, in consciousness or in life or whatever, begin to reform itself, or show itself, reveal itself, as it were, come into existence, and that mind-body-body body set, and the, forma the formation of it is still present, changing, but still present, but still has to be worked with. With that power of mind, certainly, which, which takes place and, and certain rather necessary conditions, generally environmental conditions, particularly, obviously, silence and, uh, and um, total uh, dedication to the task at hand, with that kind of emphasis which is taking place, the mind may loosen up quite considerably as a result of certain experiences which are unparalleled before in terms of any previous experience. But to confuse that with transcendence, to confuse it with liberation, to con confuse, confuse it with uh, other orders of seeing, shall we say, is an assumption of one's mind. And I feel that uh, people of practice and the number of people here in the med meditation hall who have, um, have and are um, engaging in uh, um, sustained long-term med meditation uh, practice must be aware and, be and in being aware be careful of the kind of emphasis which the mind establishes as some kind of absolute priority. And in making that an absolute priority, what I've just been describing, so easy for the mind to view in its viewing that way to become restricted. Become restricted by its intention, become restricted by the application of the mind to a singular task, and become restricted by the general uh, accompanying identification with some form of experience. 
And it's not unusual at all for the, let us say, the sincere and um, um, long-practicing meditator to kind of restrict the field of meditation and wisdom to that approach. with the accompanying view that somehow disillusion and often they say, or implied anyway, first of all be totally disillusioned with the mind-body, then go for the disillusion of it. <laughs> yes, right, right. And that, that there can easily be a, a view which is accompanied, a view and opinion which is accompanied, it must go and in it going, or phenomena going, or, or, or whatever, then these words which one has heard ad nauseum from the past, these big words, I'm not going to go into those, the, <laughs> these big words from, from the past, will have some experiential meaning to me. And I wonder if that is freedom. With that assumption which goes with that, one tends to create the g a gap, an actual psychological gap between there and here begins to create a certain kind of order or hierarchy of experience between that and my everyday life, my everyday mind or whatever and in that, Christina discussing and speaking about uh, uh, yesterday evening one tends to lose sight of the significance of just seeing simply, directly, element, in an elemental way One of the things in, in simple seeing and in making use of the mind of seeing of change that that emphasis, gross or subtle in one's practice when the mind is more and more steady one can take that emphasis off one's practice. It's not some golden cow which has to be sustained ad nauseum in one's practice. And in taking the emphasis off that in one's practice, and one must know oneself for what that means, in taking one's emphasis off change and microscopic change and so forth, there is the potential or the possibility simply to see the way things are, be connected in an ordinary, everyday way with the way things are, and see what is that saying to me? What is that telling me in life? And one of the elements of life already previously mentioned is such of the mind-body interactivity, interrelationship, somehow fused together, somehow feeling at times disassociated from each other, but somehow or other 
you and I recognizing that within that process there is some kind of, where the life force is there, unitive connection, which we call mind-body. Our, our capacity to see this interactivity more and more clearly brings as a natural and organic consequence of just seeing clearly, meaning not concerned with improving mind states, not concerned with self-improvement or whatever, but in that just seeing that more and more clearly, one other element begins to express itself more fully. And what one has the sense of the or the experience of, or the um, apprehension of, within that element and uh, surrounding that element is a certain sense of space. A certain element which begins to, to, to manifest and show itself more clearly is a certain spaciousness. It's a kind of seeing in the progressive um, spiritual journey, let us say, in which the, el the, the spacious element uh, is closely related to what actually is occurring. One senses feeling, knowing that one actually is more spacious as a human being. This is very important. Far more important than microscopic seeing. This element of spaciousness which can, can and does um, begin to be sensed in one's meditation means that what the, the, the feeling of that, shall we say, or the uh, the active expression of that is that one doesn't feel so confined by the mind-body life itself. One doesn't feel so encumbered, um, narrow, uh, uh, restricted, limited, because that spacious element is there in, through and surrounding. And since that, that spacious uh, element or sense which is there has a formless nature to it, the sense of the harshness of the form or the solidity of the form, that's mind, mind body, body form, begins to lose some of its substantiality. the relationship to life in that development of that seeing, in that development of that observ observation begins to change an emphasis. It begins to change the, one of the emphases which has occurred of that somehow or other in the course of my meditative journey I have to dissolve mind body, dissolve consciousness, get rid of mind body, let it go, etc., etc. That kind of formulation of language and direction which is not at all unusual in 
meditation emphasis or the meditation circle. So one's practice is not so much concerned with change, nor is it concerned with getting rid of anything, because the mind in that element of, uh, of, of space begins to know and sense that one doesn't have to get rid of anything to know reality. That the mind, body, the movement and the non-movement of mind doesn't in fact hinder seeing. Sometimes these talks I, uh, I appreciate, um, not, um, not too easy to uh, follow the, the, the flow and the direction, uh, direction through. It's um, basically a ki- um, an, in- an encouragement to live with the full acknowledgement and, ex- and acceptance of what one is seeing, perceiving right now, feeling totally at home with it, not regarding what's happening right now as an obstruction in one's meditative or spiritual life. And if one can get the feeling for that, one will feel more spacious. However, to say that the spacious element itself, in spite of its fairly obvious accommodating power to it, just like there is space and the objects here rest in space with a certain uh, mutual uh, relationship, connection to each other. Space itself, in itself, is gross. And at times in the meditative uh, journey, there can be periods of time in which all that one knows and sees at an experiential or a real level is space. The sense of space becomes so established and the formlessness of it that there is a kind of um, deep absorption within the field of space. In s- that of such an order that the world as it keeps presenting itself to us doesn't seem to impinge or obstruct or deny that element in any way. So the world which includes our mind-body activity, our mind-body set and, and the external world of mind-body and content and form, sound and colour, doesn't seem to intrude on space, in that spacious element. But that spacious element is grows unless it becomes a seeing or liberating element. Let me give you a simple um, uh, example of this. I mean, an, an analogy which I was using the other day. Recently in England, we're, that we were holding, uh, conducting a retreat, 
and like here it was in the countryside and I had to go to uh, make um, a journey uh, one uh, morning to um, London to pick up a couple of air tickets and in the countryside there the, the air there was so much more clear, so much more um, refined, so much more uh, pure, shall we say. And on getting out of the train, um, when it entered into London and walking uh, in the centre of London, the air itself felt, still air of course, but it felt gross, it felt thick, it felt you could put it, pick it out and put it in your pocket and take it back to where one had come from. So there's still air, but the element of air due to the conditions become gross. And in the same way, with this element of spaciousness, which is allowing, accommodating, freeing, which is an element in life, in itself is not a fulfillment or a completion, but within it, through seeing, through the true heart's expansion, the true consciousness expansion, within its capacity, shall we say, there is the opportunity for liberating understanding. So, like with the mind-body and mental health and well-being, the same actually applies to the, to the element of spaciousness. In itself, it is not enough. But, within it, through the sense and the apprehension of it, through the being in touch with, our way of seeing life begins to have an, a freeing element contained, shall we say, within the seeing of life itself. Not only, as it was mentioned in, the, in an earlier talk, being free from, and all that is implied in being free from all that which is unnecessary for us. Not only being free to, which is an expression of a, of, of a mind which is free to look, free to be concerned, free to act, free to express. Now all of that occurs in our life when we are largely free from, free from fear especially, free from clinging, free from cherishing, free from uh, inhibitions or whatever. That is, so it's not only the free from and the free freedom to which can be discovered through uh, the refinement of the space element of life, but it's being free unto itself. Therefore, including in a real way the freedoms of life which we are concerned with and the preciousness of it, but the freedom which embraces life itself, the freedom which isn't in any way confined to life. That inwardness, with that sense of freedom which flowers 
inside of oneself which, which, which one intuitively knows and sees more and more clearly through the mind which is tempered by life and the social and uh, actual uh, realities that freedom of being is something very close at hand. At times in our life, in our ordinary everyday life, we sense, we feel, we intuit a certain freedom which is occurring. At times we, we sense a freedom, we feel a freedom. And those times and moments and periods in our life can, can arise quite spontaneously they can arise in the way that we're exploring something. They can arise in the way that we are doing something. They can arise in the freedom which allows us to let go of something or to continue something or can discontinue. And when one, and one knows that freedom which is there in which the activity or the non-activity doesn't create any pains or ruffles or or waves or confusion in mind. One senses and knows intuitively that, that a freedom, a true human freedom, inner freedom, is being expressed. The spiritual journey and all that is implied within the totality of the spiritual journey is that that element of freedom is so clear unto life, so abundantly manifest and obvious, that everything else rests with it. That there is no actual hindrance to it at any moment in life. And because of that fundamental element being so clear and, and well established, the child of that freedom is called joy and love. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings see into the nature of life. May all beings be truly free. <coughs> 